0: Welcome to ground Roundup. Over the years, many have wondered, can machines think? While many agree that someday thinking machines can exist, there are also some who say that thinking machines are already here. So irrespective of whether thinking machines are here or not, what exactly is a thinking to machines? And do the machines think like humans or does it simply control symbols it has no understanding of? Now, if machines do understand what they are doing, is it thinking? These, The answer to all these questions depend entirely on perhaps how we understand thinking and consciousness in machines. But as we see, the term consciousness is itself caught in this endless explosion of meaning and debate. And there is no agreed central definition of consciousness, either in humans or in machines. So it is perhaps time to evaluate the fundamentals of machine consciousness and understand whether do we really need to understand machine consciousness with reference to human consciousness. So to discuss fundamentals of machine consciousness further, I'm delighted to welcome Amol Kalkar to this Risk Roundup. Amol is a machine consciousness researcher and he's based in the United States. Welcome, Amol. We are honored to have you on Risk Roundup.
1: Thank you for having me here, Jayashree.
0: Wonderful, so as we know, computers perform computations. Now, mm-hmm. since software powers the computers, that makes anything, any machine that is embedded with any computer run on its own. So, this raises the fundamental questions: Are machines thinking? Are they conscious?
1: Well, the AI algorithms of today, the ones that we use um, in industry or in research. Um, they're not really thinking. They are performing computations um, such as approximating a function or predicting the next state of a system. These aspects look like intelligence and thinking, but they are actually imitations of thinking, if you will. Or, in other words, They are a subset of what we call human ability to think.
0: But uh, imitation of thinking is a kind of thinking itself, right? I mean, why are we trying to relate machine thinking to human thinking? Because the way we think and we analyze and all that is is different. And the same, you know, machines, they also analyze, they also think in a, in a way, if you look at it, because when we ask question to Siri or Google that, you know, hey, what is the temperature outside or any mm-hmm. other question, we do get an answer. And if they don't understand the question, they said, no, I don't understand this. So there is some thinking, isn't there some thinking in what?
1: We can, we can call it thinking. Um, the idea would be to differentiate between an actual phenomena and a simulation of the phenomena. So, for example, uh, if you look at fire, a real fire that is burning, and you simulate the fire in a computer. Now, both of them on the screen would probably look very similar, so similar that it might even be indistinguishable. But the simulation of fire is not really the fire. Yes. It's useful, like for example, in um, in games, simulated fire and simulated water and simulated environments are, are used and useful, um, but they don't really represent the world as it is.
0: That's, that's a fair point. But at the same time, understand this. Now, if we have the same kind of simulation in autonomous weapons or mm-hmm. in autonomous cars, now it, it, even though it's called just a simulation, but it still ends up, you know, either firing a missile or, you know, killing some human on the road. So it, that is the impact that we humans have when we go through some, these kind of, you know, activity. The similar, you know, response and, and result would be there when machines also, uh, go through certain simulations. So do you think that, uh, perhaps these, uh, I mean, as you are saying that this, uh, this is like uh, just a uh, computation, you know, machine intelligence is just a kind of computation, but this computation, what is it about this computation that makes it, you know, thinking what allows it to think so when you, when you are developing any algorithm. Mm-hmm. What do you define? How do you define what kind of, so how do you define that uh, any algorithm would respond in certain manner when, you know, certain question is asked because the algorithm is there and then they, they will have a huge number of data set irrespective of what uh, task we are talking about, whether it's about researching cancer or whether it's about uh, driving a car or uh, checking the weather or doing uh, some kind of search on the uh, internet. So it, it could be any kind of task. So mm-hmm. what is it that you define in the algorithm that would uh, give a command to the algorithm that I need to look beyond this or I need to operate you know, in certain way? What are the parameters? How do you define all that? To make it sort of kind of like thinking
1: right so the way uh, modern artificial intelligence uh, algorithms are built is based on the idea that once we can define an objective function or a loss function as it is called uh, in in uh, in ai once we can define how far away the output is from the desired output then we can build algorithms to change the output of that model, tweak it uh, slightly at each step so that it comes closer to what we expect it to be. So once we are able to define what specific intelligent behavior we expect from the algorithm, then the algorithm is able to adjust itself uh, or adjust the model to arrive at that. the, yeah. the 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 crucial uh, interesting difference though is that we are doing the defining of what the intelligent behavior should be versus 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 the way we think nobody is actually defining what each step or each objective is for us so the idea of going beyond the traditional AI aspects is to think about ways in which intelligence can emerge rather than be specified in the algorithms.
0: Yes, no, that I understand that now, intelligence, emergence of intelligence, or emergence of thinking, or emotion, or consciousness I mean, they, there is a blurring boundary between all of that. So, let's assume that. There is no consciousness. Mm -hmm. There is no thinking. And Mm -hmm. that the thinking that we kind of define in uh, machines, it's really just an emergent property of information processing. So all that machines are doing is just doing information processing. Mm -hmm. So in that case, are emotions becoming part of thinking for the machines or are they just uh, these kind of emotions or thinking is just unique to only human biology or any other, you know, biology. So, uh, this is becoming very important because, uh, I mean, as you must have read also that Elon Musk is, you know, that uh, AI now or that uh, entity that they developed an algorithm that was so, they thought that it's so dangerous, they cannot release it to public. So, uh, they were able to give that command to, you know, write like a human and it was able to write and... uh, That they saw something in that, that they thought that you know it's not uh, something that they can release in the public. So, what is it in the algorithm that happens after you give train the algorithm to do certain tasks or you know to do some kind of information processing? What is it that happens that creates that security fear that creates that you know this is something that we have to control because Facebook has gone through that and. uh, these, you know, uh, AI now, they have gone through that. And uh, I'm sure there are many other researchers who are also observing similar, you know, pattern. So what is it that happens? What is it that happens that creates that security risk in the algorithms that, you know, are being developed?
1: So let's take the case of the OpenAI algorithm that they recently, not algorithm, the the model that they recently built, which is able to produce English like language output right um, end of the day, it is still a model that generates um, uh, it, it it models a function that they have defined by saying here is here are are, are millions of lines of text, and this character follows whatever we have shown you so far and you train on that and then say okay now the next character is what follows and what the algorithm is building is a probability distribution of what characters come after what has come so far so it's it's building a map of when when you see the words this is then after that there is a high probability that the proposition a will come this is a so it's a it's a language synthesis based on probability distributions and then once once the model has learned this probability mapping then they say okay we are going to uh, show it some text as as the seed text that they that they show, and then the algorithm starts generating what it thinks are the most probable next set of characters. So that is how it generates text. There is no inherent risk involved in that kind of an algorithm in my mind. The only risk is the societal impact of it. The algorithm itself is benign. So in this case, I think what their risk assessment said is that okay, here is a model that can generate text that seems like something that is written by humans. Now, once you have a tool like this, crafty people will use that tool for nefarious purposes and generate text that is either insensitive to some people or fake news kind of text or uh, just flood the internet with generated text so that algorithms like Google search that that rely on human-written text as an important marking in where to show the show the results in the in their search results, those kind of algorithms can get fooled now. So all all these are sort of collateral um, risks that come about by using the model in 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 insincere or or uh, malicious ways. Sure, the I, itself I, is not.
0: Yes, I understand. And that's a fair concern. That's a fair concern that, you know, what is the going to be the impact on the society? Now, just like, you know, the algorithm is able to write like humans, you know, and it blurs the boundaries between human writing and machine writing. We also have the speech. That is, you know, right. the boundary between humans or machine speech. Right now, when you are talking to Siri or Google or any other, you know, uh, chatbot, then you just don't know whether you are talking to a human or, you know, a machine. So those boundaries are already blurred. Now, this, yeah. you know, same,
1: with, uh, same with the auto-generated uh, images of people's faces, for example, actually, that are okay. indistinguishable. Like they were they were easily distinguishable till about last year, but this year's results are are so refined that one just cannot tell whether it's a machine-generated face or not.
0: Very true. Very true. That that is so true. So then the question is, you know, more that... uh, if we have these blurring boundaries between you know human and machine in speech, in vision, mm-hmm. in uh, text, in writing, and you know perhaps you know in smell in the coming years, uh, and then you know and if they are able to think, I, I, I think there's some sort of awareness is there already in machines? They are able to. Think You know, they're able to think about the commands because you are giving them a command, just like you give a command to a kid or a student or to an employee to do certain tasks. You give a command to a machine and the machine follows that command. So in that, with in those, you know, uh, criteria, if we just evaluate from that perspective, then there is some thinking that when we give a command, it follows the command. So there is some thinking involved. So. The, which are the mechanisms by which this consciousness is manifested in machine because as you see I mean, while all these boundaries are blurring in speech, in writing, in you know, image creation, and all in uh, thinking abilities, we are also seeing that the bias is also emerging, you know, from algorithms. As we see that uh, so many, you know, so uh, different kind of algorithms, whether it's for paroles or uh, whether it's for, uh, you know, which students will get into which college, you know, admissions or uh, interviews, all kinds of, you know, different algorithms, or the police who were you know the, who should be arrested or where which zip code will have more you know crimes in all of those we are seeing bias emerging so if if let's say you know there is no thinking involved and mm-hmm. machines just the algorithms just follow the commands that is being written by researchers and you know creators like you then how is this bias getting into that
1: so the algorithms are uh, written though the The intelligent seeming behavior that comes out of the uh, models is because of the data. So as I was uh, mentioning earlier, um, all of AI is in a nutshell based on finding out these probability distributions. So given that the probability distributions that these models learn are entirely based on the data that they have seen, then it is not a surprise that they would, they would sort of continue uh, predicting things that they have seen before. And that can be interpreted as, as, as a sort of a societal bias, but that is not anything that is uh, malicious on the part of either the algorithm creator, nor the data, uh, nor the model itself. It is, the, it is the interpretation that is, that is giving that connotation.
0: But, but Amo, let me interrupt here that I read uh, recently somewhere that uh, I'm not sure whether it was Siri or whether it was Google, but one of that uh, gave a feedback that out of few astronauts, they don't like one astronaut. I'm not sure uh, where I read that. But there was, you know, some sort of feedback that, you know, when the algorithm was interacting with the, the chatbot, you know, Siri kind of that, uh, they inter- it interacted with all the different uh, uh, astronauts. And one of them, you know, the, it came back and said that I do not like this astronaut. So if 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 an algorithm, I'm, I'm not sure whether this is true or not, but I read it somewhere now, you know. There's I a- have
1: come across that.
0: Yeah, so... Uh, Irrespective of whether it is true or not, if a mm-hmm. machine, if a machine can develop that kind of feedback that I do not like this, like you know, for example, my, we are you know just uh, sometimes experiment uh, with Google, you know, the saying that you know, uh, thank you and all that, you know, and then in response it says you know it's just my job, I'm here to please you, and those kind of statements it, it makes. So when it makes those kind of statements. There is some sort of awareness. It's a there is an awareness about not not only internal environment but also about the external environment. I mean, it, when you ask them about like we you know we discussed before the question about weather or where are you or location or things like that the machines are aware about that, aware about the external, you know, self-awareness that, you know, the how is the weather going to be or what weather is, whether it's going to rain or uh, all those kind of questions. So there is that external self-awareness and there is also internal self-awareness about... Not
1: really. No. L- 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 sorry, sorry to interrupt, but sure. there 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 is no self-awareness at work there. So the way these personal assistants like Siri or, or uh, Cortana um, or Amazon, uh, they work is that they have a speech detection engine that, can, that converts what you speak into text. There is uh, a system that then figures out what the context is, and it literally has a bank of thousands of small programs It decides which program to hand this text out to. So as soon as you ask, what's the weather like, then it it will select the weather app, forward that input to the weather app. The weather app will, it it will actually not give the text to the weather app. It will give, it it would have already translated a command uh, to the weather app saying, something like today's weather and then the weather app would return the data it will get converted back to speech and sent out to uh to the to the personal assistant device so it is it is far from having any awareness you can you can uh, do an experiment um, you you can, you can you can easily fool these personal assistants. Sure, um, that, that
0: right. I, but how, Amul, how is this different than how we evaluate? If we ask, uh, if I ask my son or daughter, you know that uh, hey, check the temperature. How is the temperature today? What they will do? They will go and look on the you know weather app, or that is the similar kind of you know response we are getting from these machines. That uh, when we ask them you know the weather, they look at the weather channel, like you just described. So how is that different? How is you know how that? I don't see any difference between how humans you know gather the information and uh, how machines are gathering the information.
1: Indeed, in in this example, actually you're right that that we. Follow similar kinds of steps to get to the weather data. Um, But these are factual questions. Sure. Right? Um, There is no self context as such uh, in these uh, personal assistants. Like you cannot ask them, Will you feel cold when you go outside today? Would you like to wear a sweater today? that's a that's a that's a highly personal question and that has very little bearing on the actual temperature outside
0: Yes, but because we have not made advances in the senses yet, that is the reason in the coming years there is, there are you know advances happening so they will be machines will be able to feel just the way we are able to feel. So whether you know machines will feel cold or hot, all those things will emerge in the coming years as the researchers are working on it. So those aspects while they are not there, they mm-hmm. are under development.
1: Yes, they, they will again come as a utility. The machines will... So you can keep prodding the machines further and further towards uh, subjective questions and the machines will keep coming up short. Um, Think about a question like this. Do you think you have lived a purposeful life? And, and, And think about how far personal assistants are from answering a question like that and it is it is kind of a, a situation where yes technology is sort of pushing the boundaries further and further but at the same time it is you can think of it as a finer and finer grain simulation of the reality
0: Yes, I I hear you on that. But uh, coming to your point about asking machines whether you have lived a purposeful life, now for a machine... A purposeful life is, you know, what goals were defined for that machine and whether the machine is able to meet those goals. That is the purpose. Now, if you ask the same question to humans, have you lived a purposeful life? You know, Mm -hmm. I am not sure even most of the humans will be able to answer because they don't have those defined goals. So in those aspects, I think machine is probably more advanced and they have more clarity. About what their purpose is, you know, what their goals were, and uh, what, or rather, what their goals are, and whether they are meeting those goals, and you know, the same kind of clarity, and uh, is not there in humans. I mean, you ask, you know, any number of humans, uh, are you living a purposeful life? They just don't right, know, right you cannot answer. No?
1: That, I mean that that is the that is actually the beauty of the way humans think. In my in my opinion. Yes, there is there is this lack of clarity, if you will. Uh, but the lack of clarity is not because of l- lack of information of or, or or lack of ability to process. It is a lack of clarity because of the the gigantic number of options that we are actually processing when trying to come 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 up with that answer.
0: Most what, people are not even sure that they have a purpose. Uh,
1: true, true. But we, 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 for example, have the ability to do counterfactual reasoning sure. that, you know, uh, had I done this, I would have been here. And those kind of sort of internal simulations and ability to simultaneously run those kind of simulations and coming to a feel of an answer, which may not be clear, but it has somehow taken into account all those tiny possibilities that 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 you could have taken up uh, uh, sorry all, all the possible paths that you could have taken up right okay. so uh, th- those kind of things I think machines are, are still pretty far away from and uh, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is is a is a for debate, but I think I think getting machines to that kind of sophistication will be a good thing. In fact, as a, as a defense against extremely advanced AI tools, um, in my mind, the traditional AI tools that we are developing right now—they are becoming so powerful that. Humans can start using them as as nuclear weapons, essentially. Imagine every household had ten nuclear weapons stocked. Exactly. Right. Anybody can now. If if uh, even if OpenAI did not release the model, two years down the road, everybody will have a model like that or will have access to a model like that. It's inevitable. Okay. Right? So, so, And humans are actually not capable enough to identify all these threats and risks and take continuous actions against them to protect ourselves. So in fact, there we need more powerful AI systems which are not only tools, but are actually able to make uh, make model uh, assessments of things. Yeah. So, so, uh, and then we start going into uh, bringing consciousness to AI systems, which would be another way of saying that okay, this system not only processes data as it comes. In, but is actually able to independently uh, assess the impact of the actions that it's about to take and act accordingly, or it is able to uh, it is able to monitor possible threats that are coming in and defend against them proactively.
0: Yes. No, very true, and at the point you just made, you know, I wrote in my article that just came out today in Forbes, that, that the democratization of this, you know, development, and that the availability of computer that anyone can buy, you know, all across nation is so cheap, everyone mm. can buy computer now, and the computing power everyone has access to, so the 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 way the, you know, humans or the nations rather were controlling the weapons of mass development over the years was that, you know, they were just following where the money is going because Mm -hmm. every, you know, like nuclear weapons or everything, you know, required large infrastructure and uh, it required a lot of investment. But now the development of, you know, algorithms that could destroy or that could, you know, do damage, anybody can develop that. It is, The, the information is available. There is a democratization of development, you know, and everyone has computer all across the nation. Everyone has internet connection. So how, there is no way we will be able to control proactively. How would we know who is developing what algorithm? I mean, right now, if you look at, you know, the efforts that are being made uh, for regulating AI is that, you know, they are putting together privacy guidelines. They're putting together ethics guidelines, but how there is there is none of these are going to help us to manage the security risks that are emerging because yeah. there is the all these unknowns of securities we just don't know where they emerge we just don't know where the threat is going to come from so yeah. is there a way that you all researchers that you all are working that uh, you can define ser- that you know there needs to be certain code or there needs to be certain command in any algorithm. That would, you know, make that algorithm deadly or little. that, you know, if we know that command, then we can perhaps, you know, track that. You know, in all the algorithm development across nations and we can, you know, ident- give uh, identity to all the algorithms and we can create an algorithm that is like a tracker that just tracks that code in each and every algorithm that is being developed across nations or that is in public use. So is there something like that that can be developed? That's what I wanted to ask you, you know, when I invited you to come on this kind because as a researcher, you know, that is something i want to know that what kind of command you would put in an algorithm that would make it deadly and if there is a way to track that
1: unfortunately in my mind there is no way to track usage of ai systems it, it the ai systems can completely live on someone's personal computer disconnected from the internet till they are ready to do their job and given that these are tools we will have to ultimately say that the person using the tool is the responsible party and not the tool itself so the the, the ramifications of using the tool in uh, in 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 bad ways has to be uh, criminal prosecution I don't see any proactive way to to go uh, out and hunt for these usages before they happen.
0: But then, you know, we are putting the security of the entire, you know, humanity at risk because if, mm-hmm. if somebody develops that kind of algorithm and gives it a command that, you know, go and destroy this, you know, race or that race or, you know, go and de- create... Uh, uh, destroy all the weapons in this country or go and, you know, make all the weapons that are there, you know, make them active. Any kind of command. Mm-hmm. Then How, I mean, if any individual is able to create that kind of security risk for the future of humanity, and if we have no way to proactively know, then how are we going to manage the security risk coming to us in the coming years? Because that makes it the fear and panic that is developing in the global community. That Probably has you know a valid base, and I think
1: Uh, it is it is uh, in in some ways valid. Um, And again, I I want to I want to clarify that it is not the AI tools that are being developed themselves that are a problem, but their use is going to be a problem. Of course, Uh, and so that 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 is one of the reasons why I got into the line of work that I'm uh, in, which is uh, general intelligence, uh, which which is a general-purpose intelligence system that you can give high-level moral code to. For example, um, uh, Isaac Asimov famously has three uh, rules of uh, robotics, uh, where he imagined all future robots being embedded with the with three simple rules. Um, to protect any harm coming from them to humans. Now, to get to a robot or an AI system that can even process or understand those type of types of rules would require general intelligence. And that is why getting us quickly to an AGI system is so important in my mind, that it is our pretty much only potential safeguard against malicious use.
0: So do you think that developing an AGI system, artificial general system, uh, that could, you know, where the computation would be such that, you know, you can, it can... Consciously go and you know scan the internet or scan all the IoT machines or you know scan right. anything that is out there that is connected that could have algorithm that could do any kind of damage. So you do you think you uh, researchers can create a system like that in the coming years? If not,
1: yeah, I, I, I hope so. Uh, imagine if uh, if a human has access to the entire internet. Um, and is able to actually focus on figuring out where anomalies are occurring everywhere uh, in the internet and have the the, the computational capabilities to bring in that information and process it, then a general intelligence system like humans would actually be able to uh, balance the resources in a way such that tiny hints of something inappropriate going on somewhere, you immediately focus more attention there. Um, or you uh, you you are able to correlate uh, systems that are far away and patterns emerging between systems. Those kind of threats, humans are really good at Assessing things like that in our daily lives. A similar situation uh, comes up uh, in our daily lives. For example, we are crossing the road and we see a car coming in. Uh, We immediately are able to turn our attention to that object. Instead of the conversation we are having with our friend who is walking with us. So this ability to allocate resources very intelligently to the right set of problems uh, in front of us, that is part of the AGI system of the future. And uh, I think that is the only way we can actually be able to computationally uh, achieve any kind of deterrence.
0: Sure. I mean, I, let's hope so. But see, my I, I still don't understand why we cannot create a system. Uh, in algorithm, you know, like uh, right now, you know, not, of course, in coming years, hopefully we'll be able to do it, that, that can, you know, detect the code where it says that go and kill any human, you know, and, and across any nation, but there must be a code, like, you know, you just said that, you know, there were the th- those three principles were defined. And in, in one of that principle is, do no harm to, you know, humans, mm-hmm. but in spite of that, we see the cyber warfare emerging, you know, right now we, that is automated AI driven and AI driven facial recognition technology, AI driven, you know, autonomous weapons are developing. So all kinds of, you know, systems are emerging that would harm humans. And uh, when but the harm
1: is coming from humans who are using those systems, not the systems themselves. That's that's the distinction I want I, to I keep going back to. If there is a rogue government who wants to use um, facial recognition to surveil its citizens, they can do it, and uh, there's there's no conceivable way um, to stop the government from doing it unless unless the citizens object to it.
0: Sure, no, that's a fair point, Amol. But at the same time, let's say that uh, if there is a drone. Uh, With, you know, the command already there, that, you know, if you see certain person, then, you know, just uh, the drone that it should go and, uh, you know, either uh, whatever weapon uh, it has to use, use that, but kill that, you know, human being. Mm -hmm. So in that condition, you know, and as the autonomous weapons are being developed, the humans will get out of, you know, the picture at certain point because then you know they, it will just follow the commands you know once it becomes autonomous right now there is some sort of control by humans because there you know at certain point you know humans are involved in that but as it becomes autonomous humans won't be involved in that and you know then it the uh, AI algorithm, you know, and the command that it would just, you know, with the drones or, you know, any other weapon system, it can, you know, go and kill any human, you know, uh, and we will have absolutely no control at that point. So when weapons become autonomous and, you know, at that point, how do we control? How do we control these kind of scenarios?
1: We have to keep the humans responsible for deploying these weapons and and tools. the same goes for autonomous cars, for example. the the the, the reason there is such a pushback against uh, deregularizing de- uh, and using autonomous cars right away uh, is exactly that: the like you 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 the systems are not uh, in any way uh, holding themselves up to any model standard. So a human must be held responsible for the actions of the of the uh, systems so th- that's why uh, we, we don't want to easily let automated cars be on the road because then the the boundaries get really blurred in terms of who is responsible for that accident and a, a death of a pedestrian for example so that's the thing the the, the buck has to stop with uh, the human who who ordered that system
0: up yes so i mean if you talk about autonomous cars let's say you know that there is a, another autonomous car on the road and uh, there is a human on the road and now uh, other autonomous car has to make a decision whether who to you know save whether to save the other autonomous car mm-hmm. or whether to save a human so those kind of when those kind of questions will come how will uh, these, you know, machines take a decision? Who do you know? Who is, who can it sacrifice? Whether a human or a robot? So when that, those kind of questions will come. So how will these be defined in the algorithms or in the code? That uh, you know how the machine should set the goal or whether you know they should set a goal of. Uh, killing another machine, or uh, to save a human, or whether, you know, how this programming will happen? Or how do you, you know, uh, program all that?
1: We can, we can definitely put some heuristics in the algorithms, uh, when certain situations um, occur and there's, there's a risk assessment uh, being done. Uh, though, at the end of the day, th- such predefined heuristics uh, or rules are always going to fall short because reality is more complex than any rule can define. Mm-hmm. Right? So, mm-hmm. so, so in, in fact, that is why we need to accelerate uh, AGI research because that is only with AGI, only with AGI we can tell the system, don't kill a human. Uh, uh, there is there's, there is no uh, no sort of conceivable way to put that kind of a logic into today's autonomous car unfortunately.
0: Yes Amul, I mean I, I hear you the, your case on why we need to rapidly advance towards AGA but at the same time think if you give a human-like thinking ability to a machine mm-hmm. you cannot even trust humans at this point you know humans are killing each other I mean how many yeah. civilizations mm-hmm. have- destroyed themselves by just, you know, killing each other. As right. it's like these technological advances are happening first time. It has happened in the past. And, you know, to control those technologies, you know, the people, have, the civiliz- nations have killed each other. And the civilization has been impacted. So when we are not the human, if we are trying to create machine with human-like thinking ability, then we cannot even think, you know, we cannot even trust humans. Look at the right now. Just how many, uh, how many nations are living in peace? How many, how much warfare is happening? And how much? I mean, if we created cyberspace. It's a man-made, you know, world. And look at what is happening in cyberspace. Look at the number of, you know, cyber attacks and cyber crimes happening every single day. So now, when we are adding AI factor to that, making it more intelligent, look at how it is advancing this year. The cyber, you know, attacks and cyber crimes. You know, AI driven. So my question is that you know i mean yes it's a good noble goal to have you know create human like you know machines hum- uh, with a human like thinking ability but is that the right way to go forward because we do we want machines to think like humans mm-hmm. we we have to figure out a way that we can control. Yes, we do need to advance intelligence. We do need to advance, uh, enhance, uh, you know, memory or enhance the processing capability uh, or, you know, rapidly, you know, doing all these data analysis. We do need to uh, develop all those things because our goal is not just to, you know, stay on, you know, Earth. We we want to explore space and we want to you know go beyond that. So uh, there is a lot that humans want to do, and uh, for that, yes, the uh, assistance of machines, intelligent machines, would be very very beneficial because we can send them where we humans cannot go first, and there are a lot of things they can do. But at the same time, we do need to develop that control, and you know, researchers like you. Can figure out what control to put in that, so that uh, we don't end up killing the, you know, humanity at some point in the coming years.
1: Yes, yes. I mean that that's that's a that's a big question in front of uh, AI community and and people are uh, actively thinking about it. Um, there are there aren't any good solutions as such as I was saying, uh, but that doesn't mean solutions won't come forward. Yes. Uh, there are people working on it diligently.
0: People like you who are developing algorithms. You all can think, you know, creatively. I'm sure, in you know, individually and collectively, if you all put your heads together, I'm sure you will come up with a way to insert that code in it that will, you know, uh, make sure that we don't destroy humanity. You know, so that I'm sure that is something you know possible. But uh, as in the research, what trends do you are seeing for this? You know developing the consciousness or you know thinking ability in computers or machines
1: so uh the most human-like learning abilities that are coming up right now is through reinforcement learning uh where the machines are uh, the the algorithm is taught by uh, by a distant objective not something that comes up right away, but a game that it wins after 40 moves or, or similar distant rewards. Um, and that has allowed these algorithms to, to act more intelligently uh, compared to the earlier generation, where, where the algorithms were actually essentially looking one or two steps ahead. Uh, now now they are able to uh, plan for the future and and anticipate uh certain things coming up and so that is that is the biggest advancement that is that has happened recently and is happening um uh, every year we see newer and newer uh areas being conquered essentially by uh by reinforcement learning based systems. Um, AlphaGo is a good example. They recently uh, beat other games as well uh, that were considered uh, very, very difficult for AI to, uh, to to deal with, and so that advancement continues, and that will continue. Uh, so at, at, at such a pace that I think. Within the next five years or so, we should have systems that are able to create robots, for example, uh, that move mm-hmm. fluidly. Uh, because uh, uh, robotic control is is a is a difficult problem to solve uh, so far, and uh, reinforcement learning has has some really good. Uh, Clues as to how to approach that kind of a problem. So, uh, so in, in terms of uh, having machines that are really useful for our purposes, like exploring space and things like that, where where they can actually uh, go to Mars, for example, and uh, dig for minerals and process it and build a shelter for us, for example, those kind of those kind of utilities. Uh, Need fluid movement control and really advanced uh, robotic control. So those those kind of things are coming up. So there are, I'm I'm hopeful for that side of uh, the future. Um, and yeah, it's a lot of good work going on
0: there. That, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Now, as you develop these kind of complex systems, um, and you know, go towards these software synthesis and as the software program complexity goes higher. As a researcher, do you still understand all the operations of the code, or it becomes too complex because it's not just simple one-line code, right? I mean, it's a very complex. You know, oh, we we
1: we we left that uh, stop long time ago. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> because the code becomes so complex, then how do you all go through, you know, line by line?
1: <laughs> so so uh, we actually. Uh, haven't been understanding uh, the deep learning or neural network type of models since 1960s. In fact, that was one of the biggest criticism that uh, neural network type models uh, had during the 70s and 80s um, where people said that, hey, you're building these models and these weights are getting adjusted. They're all just look like a bunch of numbers with no meaning associated with them sure it produces some output but we have no idea what's going on inside and that was the biggest criticism uh, that led to symbolic AI uh, development where where AI systems uh, were based on logic so you actually have um, uh, programs that synthesize uh, knowledge graphs to represent reality, uh, for example, um, uh, he drank coffee is, is a is a situation. Then he is refers to a man, and coffee is ref, like, refers to a drink, which is uh, which is uh, 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 which is a food item. And there's there's actions that man can do, like literally decoding human knowledge into these kind of graphs and connections and trying to represent those things in computers such that then you give computer a novel situation it can try to try to step through these complex graph like rules and connections and give you some result that is extremely traceable Like you can literally take the result back and step through the knowledge graph, what connections it used and and all that, and you can actually understand what the system did. But neural networks are nothing like that. And neural networks is what is used in deep uh, learning. And there is actually no no good way to understand neural networks.
0: Isn't that a cause of great concern then that we don't know how that uh, whatever is happening in the neural networks that, you know, we just blindly trust that?
1: Well, we trust humans. We don't know what's happening in our neural networks. (laughs) It's the same thing.
0: We are already suffering with, you know, (laughs) why would we create another intelligence that could, you know, be a problem for humanity?
1: Why? So, why 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 use neural networks that, that that's a good question um the there, there are many reasons but the i think the most interesting reason is that reality can only be tamed by neural network type representations so reality is so complex that it cannot be decoded in a structure that we can read and understand. Reality is more complex than what humans can understand. So to put that as a as a requirement on algorithms, that they actually produce uh, steps that we can understand is severely limiting. And that's why people had to move away from symbolic AI pretty much, and nobody does it anymore because Reality is just too complex. We we cannot represent it.
0: Yeah, but if we cannot trace, then, you know, that is a great, you know, problems, great security emerging there. So, I mean, I'm, I don't think that, you know, the neural network should be the only way to go forward. I am sure that, you know, everyone can put together their heads and come up with a better way to develop that intelligence. We don't have to shift our goals. We just have to redefine how we are going towards that so that we keep the control because here I think we have already lost the control.
1: In a way, yes, yes. And um, that's a, I would say that's a price we pay for the power we extract out of AI.
0: For what? Price we pay for what? For
1: different... Well, I mean, uh, allowing AI systems to be black boxes is, is is a price that we have to pay if we want the, the black box to be powerful. If we want simple uh, systems that we can understand, then uh, then we won't have all these advances in AI
0: that is that that is not true because i mean look we do want powerful you know intelligence but we want intelligence that we will have we humans can control that is the only bottom line here and the way we are going forward with these neural networks is that we have absolutely no control why create you know things that where we will have absolutely no control in the coming years or we even now we don't have control so i am sure there must be different ways by which we can, you know, create more intelligence. I mean, this is not the only way, you know, if we came up with, you know, neural networks, I'm sure we can come up with something better that could, you know, make sure that we are not impacting the future of humanity. But having said that, what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners about your efforts towards developing machine consciousness and what projects you're working on, if anything relevant you would like to say?
1: Uh, yes, yeah, so uh, I am uh, looking into, Artificial General Intelligence, as I was mentioning earlier, Um, and Consciousness uh, approaching something like consciousness is uh, is an important part of building a general intelligence in my mind Um, because At the at the most sort of benign definition of consciousness uh, Consciousness acts as a a regulatory system uh, for humans to process and deal with enormous complexities of the world and uh, bringing that kind of capability in the in AI systems is in my mind the only way to get to human level general intelligence and that's what I'm working towards.
0: Great thank you so much Amol for participating in this roundup today we appreciate you. your insight on machine consciousness and our global viewers and listeners will benefit tremendously from the understanding you provided on machine consciousness and what what are the risks and rewards and promise and perils. So even if a single individual or entity is able to benefit from the discussion we had today, this risk of dialogue has been of service and we thank you for that. Thank you. Wonderful. So Risk Roundup, a global initiative launched by Risk Group, is a security risk reporting for risk emerging from existing and emerging technologies, technology conversions and transformation happening across cyberspace, geospace and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security and peace, they all work together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. It is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts fit into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security, so if you build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risks together for more information on the risk of, to other risk kind webcasts or listen to the risk kind of podcast please go to riskgrouppalacy.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until the next time, I'm Jay Shree, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.